Welcome to Athletes on Balance, where we talk to athletes, coaches, and experts about mental health and sports. This is a stigma-free zone for inner thoughts and outer conversations. We're helping athletes and anyone with mental health challenges perform at their best on and off the field. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Athletes on Balance. I'm Dr. Ginger Gilmore. I'm Assistant Athletic Director of Behavioral Health and Wellness at the University of Alabama and also On Balance Board member. Today, the roles are reversed and I'm serving as the host of Athletes on Balance and Walt Norley joins me as our guest. Walt is the founder and CEO of On Balance. He's an accomplished entrepreneur who's built successful technology companies throughout his professional career. And launching On Balance is truly a personal mission for Walt, as he's managed a bipolar disorder for more than four decades. He is a former quarterback at the Ohio State University and University of Georgia. So Walt knows firsthand about the mental health challenges that come from being a student athlete. So, Walt, I'm grateful for this opportunity. Thank you to be able to serve as your host today. How are you feeling being the one in the guest seat? Uh, it's a unique feeling, and um, I'm really counting on you to be a great host and ask me a whole bunch of gentle questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, before we dive into your mental health journey and what you're doing with On Balance, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are? Take us through your background and what led you to where you are today. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I, I've always been into, you know, I was raised to, to compete, uh, raised to work, um, you know, raised to be humble. Um, you know, there, there a lot of good things that came from my family background. And, but, but, you know, somehow, and I think that this is part of a lot of people that are out trying to achieve at a high level, um, I was always very competitive and, you know, because I was competitive, you know, I wanted to be, you know, very good as an athlete. I wanted to work hard to be, um, a, a very good, I always wanted to be quite candidly ginger. I wanted to be, you know, uh, exceptional in, at what I was doing. And, you know, within that, <clears throat> you know, you, you, you go through highs and lows cause you don't always, always achieve, you know, the expectations that you have on yourself and sometimes, uh, what others have. Um, but you know, the, 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 you know, the, the childhood and then, you know, getting into my high school days, I narrowed down from playing really every sport down to, you know, football became the one I was, you know, the, the, the best at. And, you know, I, I was fortunate to get recruited by all these schools and, and went to these two great programs, unfortunately, you know, because of injuries and so forth. Um, you know, my, my career did not go as expected. Um, but what happened for me in, in, in terms of getting to where I am today, um, I was determined, you know, to have that not define me, um, that when I was not going to be, you know, an All-American, All-Conference or whatever quarterback at Ohio State or Georgia, you know, I was really, you know, when it was over, I was committed to saying, okay, well, you have to go do something that is unique and you have to figure out what that is. And it didn't happen overnight. Um, I really caught the entrepreneurial bug when I was in my, I guess I was about 27, 28, and I was very fortunate to have uh, success, um, you know, in an environmental technology uh, uh, program uh, that I was, actually I was a, a partner with two other guys with. And I had success, and, and that, you know, gave me, a, a, you know, an appetite that, 
this is an interesting world to try to innovate and solve a problem and 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 solutions that you know um, you know help people in the business world, help people in their lives, and that led to, you know, this is my on balance is my sixth company, um, and I have, yeah. you know, a tremendous passion for, and I'm very fortunate. So within all the journeys I've been through on the mental health side, I'm very fortunate to be here. And I'm very fortunate to have been able to kind of survive the highs and lows, and within that really thrive. Um, and I think part of that is because I, I have so much passion for doing what I've been doing for a living. Well, Walt, you've tried to be the best at everything you've done and, and that shines through with you, uh, just knowing you and, and seeing what you've done with everything that you touch. And I have to say that I think, uh, my boss recruited you too, at one point. So um, yeah, but let's get into, um, you're managing your bipolar disorder. You've spent most of your adult life doing that. Um, and like all mental illnesses, this is difficult to navigate. Can you tell the audience what it's like to live with a mental illness? Well, um, you know, candidly, it's, it's challenging. It's, it's difficult. Um, um, you know, it's filled with volatility and a, a lot of highs and lows. And, you know, it really does back into why I'm doing this because the, the, the thing that was uh, the hardest for me to accept was the diagnosis that I had it. And I fought that for a very long period of time. I, I did not look at myself that way. Um, I don't think other people, you know, it was in a, it was in a time where people didn't talk at all about this. Um, right. You know, certainly back in my college football playing days. And, and, and I have no idea whether I was, I, I went through some lows because of surgeries and injuries and so forth. But, um, you know, when I was first diagnosed with it, I, 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 I didn't accept it. You know, I, I, I literally said to the doctor, I said, I, you know, I mean, and I wasn't arrogant. I was like, look at me, you know, like I, I, I thought, you know, it was like some form of leprosy or something. I was like, look at me. You, you, you think I have that? And um, because of that, and, and I was very concerned about how other people would judge me. And that, and that goes to fam families and friends and business colleagues. So there was extreme sensitivity. And I think because of that, um, not acceptance, uh, my journey was longer. And a lot of that had to do with the associated stigma and people not being educated. And, it, and it's, it's a word that's not, um, I'm not, I don't mean to say this negatively, but you know, really at that time and place for my world, everybody is ignorant on the subject. You know, they just, they lack knowledge, lack of education. And, and, and I did too. And because they did, I was, I was embarrassed about it. Um, you know, I, I, I pushed it under the rug. And unfortunately, when you push it under the rug, it comes back. You know, it, it, it isn't a situation that, that goes away. And it's, and it's always with you. And there's, you know, the challenges of sleep. You know, with my stuff, your, 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 your brain's operating all the time, very fast. And, um, you know, the only thing that really helps that, you know, besides habits, and I'm a creature of habits. So when the habits don't work in terms of when you go to bed and when you get up and your routine and exercise and nutrition and, you know, working a full day and putting it out there, when that doesn't work and you're still going through this cycling situation uh, and having the lows, you know, you, you, I, you know, internally I realized I had something going on. Um but then you get into medicines and then, you know, a lot of this world is, you know, because, and it's getting better as you well know, but mm -hmm. again, you know, earlier on, you know, it's just, you're kind of a human cocktail, you know, try this, try that, you know, it was all pure experimental. 
and right. you get these terrible side effects, right? And for me, a lot of those side effects were, you know, slowing me down to the point where I, I couldn't think. I wasn't clear. My mind wasn't as sharp as it was. And, you know, when that, that happens, I go off it. You know, sure. I go off it right away. And it just exasperates the whole process of trying to get to stability. And so uh, I, again, was very fortunate. Uh, you know, I went through hospitalizations. And when you go through hospitalizations, and some of the places I, you know, was hospitalized, they were scary places, right? These, wow. these weren't all beautiful suburban locations. Um, and right. you see another side of mental illness. I mean, the, the extremes that, that are out there that, that people that really have no functionality, you know, I, I saw it and I, you know, put my arm around these people and, you know, spent, you know, 30 day increments with these people. And because, because of that, I do feel grateful when I saw that, you know, severity, uh, I feel grateful to, to really to be here and to have been able to raise a family um, you know, to be a partner with a wife, um, and, you know, on the professional side to be able to, you know, create companies and, and, and grow them and lead them and, and, you know, have relative success. So I'm very, I think from that perspective, I think I'm fortunate. What a journey. Can you tell the audience how long ago you were diagnosed? Well, uh, I was 25, so I think it was 1986, so it was it was a long time ago, and um, but that was just the beginning, and I, and I don't know why. I guess there's some you know uh, chemistry involved in this. The, the, the 20s and my 30s were actually my worst uh, years, uh, and right. in terms of dealing with this, and I had a little bit of a calming of the storm in my 40s, and you know my my 50s were relatively good as well. But you know it 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 all came down to me to finding the right care. I must've gone through literally a dozen, you know, to, you know, plus 18, you know, dozen and a half, um, different doctors, uh, trust the medicine, you know, people not getting, you know, what kind of I'm going through and all that. So, um, it, it was a long time, you know, and, and that, but that goes to, again, why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. I, I, I mean, it would be a beautiful thing that based on what we're trying to accomplish it on balance, that, you know, we, we could prevent anybody from going through this for the period of time I went through it. It would be a beautiful thing. So what you just described was a lifelong journey. Mm -hmm. And so affected individuals have to seek help to figure out ways to manage their symptoms so that they can live a fulfilling life. Now, how do you maintain your mental health on a daily basis? Routine is very big for me. Um, mm -hmm. I get up at the same time every day. I get up about 5.15. Um, that's assuming I sleep, but I, I, I'm a routine person. I go to bed at the same time. Uh, I exercise uh, daily. Uh, the exercise is not only good for my my uh, body, but it's great great for my brain. Um, sure. You know, so, um, you know, eating habits, um, you know, really keeping, a, you know, another thing that's really good for me is, and I think this applies to, you know, everybody out there, but, you know, specific to the athletes that we're working with right now, I think it's, you know, I think it's just really important to keep, to keep busy and have a purpose and having a sense of purpose and a daily sense of goals and achievement has been very helpful to me. Was there a breaking point or a time that you were in a really dark place, either personally or business-wise business with your diagnosis? Um. 
more than other one time more than others. Yeah, I look. I mean, from a from the standpoint of being diagnosed, you know, after I was twenty five. I mean, I I think just in in the fact that I was um, hospitalized, there wasn't really a trigger situation. I mean, there there wasn't necessarily an environmental situation going on at home or or work or anything like that. Um, you know, maybe it was a culmination of building up from I I, I really didn't I I, I tried not to. Tried, I tried not to acknowledge the fact that everything I wanted to do athletically was over and the way it ended, you know, um, I, 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 I kind of denied it. And I said, you know, I'm getting back on my feet. I, you know, I, I love the game of football and college football in particular. And I, I didn't watch any football for five, six years. You know, I just wow. said, I'm, I'm going on and I'm moving on. That's, you know, that's in my rearview mirror. And, you know, maybe that caught up to me. Um, which created, you know, the, the first episode that I have that, that resulted in the hospitalization. Um, but, you know, I, I, another moment I remember, which was, a, you know, a, a dark moment, and it actually it, it goes to uh, who you just referred to with Coach. Um, you know, I was in, a, in one of the places I described, which was not a, a friendly spot, hospital, and, and uh, I'm sitting there, kind of can't believe, and it was a Saturday, and I kind of can't believe, where I was, and there was a f- football game on, and it was uh, Michigan State playing Ohio State, and uh, Coach okay. Saban was Coach Saban was the coach at Michigan State, and um, they upset you know a very high ranked Ohio State, and I said to the guy, and I was so proud, you know, I was just kind of sitting there, but there was a there was a mixed feelings. I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, look what he just did, and look where I am, right? Mm. And the and the guy next to me, I said, you know. He was watching it, and I said, you know, I, I, I know that guy. He recruited me to play at Ohio State, and he's like, yeah, right. You know, and, oh, and wow. you know, quite frankly, at that point, I was like, I don't know how much you get lower, <laughs> much lower than that. Sure. So, wow, rock bottom. Yeah. So going back to football, when you were playing, you said you had, in some of our conversations before, you let me know about some injuries that you had, some pertaining to the game and some surgeries. So how did those injuries affect your mental health? And were there any resources at your universities while you were going through the ups and downs of being physically injured that uh, were in place for you to get some help? Uh, so um, I did have uh, injuries. I had my first back surgery at Ohio State um, my freshman year uh, in the fall. Freshman year. Freshman year. and and uh, and then I had my career-ending back surgery my junior year uh, at Georgia, <clears throat> and um, no, the, you know I, I think you know again hindsight twenty twenty. I'm not a big hindsight twenty twenty, but knowing what I know now, based on what you do and your world does, I don't think there's I don't think there's any question that if there was a program in place like you have at Alabama and some other programs universities. I don't think there's any question that would have that, that would have helped me, um, you know, because you don't know what you don't know, and nobody talks about anything, right? right. And, um, I, I, and and again, I go to to modern day in terms of goals and aspirations with on balance. I mean, part of that is it's not just when you're there at the university and you're trying to play the sport that you're playing, and you know, in the classroom and doing all the things in that present. It's about the educational element that you get out and you take into the real world. And I, I, I think I speak for a lot of people from my era 
that had gone through something similar, and a lot of people do. So I certainly wasn't alone in this space. I think that it, it would have been an educational program for me, you know, when I got into my 20s and later on. And, and, and as much as anything, Ginger, it would have been as well as much as, you know, kind of accepting that you go through this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so I know both universities now have all of these resources in place for the student athlete, just like you said, there, there's such a need. And right. injuries happen all day, every day in football. I mean, it's a very violent sport. Uh, we've noticed, though, in recent years that more and more of these former athletes are sharing their journeys and their struggles. Um, and so it's encouraging for our sports injury in industry to hear this and just for society in general to hear their stories. We're trying to reduce the stigma um, around mental health and seeking resources. Is there anyone that that sticks out to you, any particular athlete? that shared their mental health journey that you particularly admire more than others? Well, I mean, I've just listened to some people, um, top of my head. I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've read the Kevin Love story. I've, I've, there's a uh, football player for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm from Philadelphia, and uh, his name is Lane Johnson, who he's been very public about it, and I have a lot of admiration. He goes around and speaks to it at schools. He does it, you know, in um, – public domains. Uh, he's been on podcasts about it. Uh, he's been on TV interviews about it. And, um, and he's, he's articulate. Um, he, and he's, he, he goes in depth. Um, he talks about the dark days a little bit, you know, to the world I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of respect for that. You know, here is, you know, because I'll tell you why it's kind of, it's kind of like when I'm doing this, why I'm doing this right now, why I'm doing this whole, uh, on balance program. It's because, that helps everybody else out there. You know, I don't have that effect on people, but he does. You know, he's a star in his world. Uh, he's admired from a lot of people within the, you know, Philly nation, if you will. And he's a big six foot six, 340 or, you know, pound man. And he's, he's talking about his vulnerabilities and he's, and, and right. that, that helps other people, right? That helps other yeah. people. If this guy's going through this, that'll help me. The, the person though, probably in the last X amount of years though is, um, and, and it's, and I know it's a little bit controversial, but it's, you know, Tiger Woods went through, um, probably the most high profile, um, mental health journey when he got, you know, addicted to the opioids. And, uh, I've read, um, deeply about it. And I know some people that know him and, um, I have a lot of admiration how he picked himself up and got himself back together um, from what I understand, you know, read and otherwise, he's a better human being for it. He's a better father, you know, he's a better friend. Um, and, uh, you know, he's evidently a different person out there, you know, within the PGA tour. And, and, you know, you want to talk about the culmination of all that journey and learning about yourself and admittance. Um, you know, he goes on and wins the masters, right. You know, at that stage. So, I think, you know, based on, you know, extremes, Tiger would be somebody I really admire for how he went through that and got himself back up. I really appreciate the stories that we're hearing from athletes in the sports industry and, and sharing their heartfelt struggles. Again, that's how we've changed how we talk about mental health is the firsthand accounts. Who, um, as far as individuals or leaders in the mental health space, other than athletes, who is making a difference to help these athletes, in your opinion? Um, you, you mean people specific to athletics? 
Yeah, it's specific to mental health in athletics, but yeah. not necessarily the athlete. I think I, I think quite candidly, uh, it's 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 people like yourself. I do. I think it's a combination. Of, I think it's a combination of the leadership in the athletic department. So mm-hmm. I'll 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 call out the athletic director. Um, I think in the you know power four uh, large football world, it's the coach, right? So you have that. You know, in other words, they have an appreciation for the ability to have balance between the mind and the body. And, you know, they, right. they have an appreciation for, you know, uh, why would you treat uh, a leg or an arm or an ankle any different than, you know, what something's going on between, you know, the ears. I mean, your, your, your most sensitive, you know, place on your whole body is your brain, right? So the, the, the progressives that understand that at the AD level, as well as, you know, again, in the, in the, in the bigger conferences with football, um, and I've seen it with Coach Saban, is, you know, which is how we know each other. And, I, and, then, and then you, because at the end of the day, if Thanks. there's a belief within that stakeholder ecosystem, then they're bringing in somebody who's very good at what they do to manage this on a daily basis. And, you know, for the net net of improving care, getting, getting identifying that, you know, sooner mm-hmm. than later with a process like you have in place. And if you identify them uh, sooner you can get them to recover sooner, right? And right. you can get, get them back into competition because, you know, your your world is getting the person healthy enough to go back and compete again and be in the classroom. Right, right. So you can't separate the mental from the physical. And and I'm so appreciative of my colleagues in this space. And I, and thank you for for mentioning me in, in that. That makes me, me feel very good about what we do and and the universities that are adding those um, staffers and increasing the mental health resources is a wide sweep across the country. So I'm, I'm very happy about the way that needle is trending. Um, and you know, cause you've been there, you know what it's like to be a student athlete and you deeply care about the mental health crisis. You can tell that you know, through your own journey and then what you're doing now. Um, what do you hope for every student athlete just concerning this space, which you mentioned resources, but um, what is your uh, hope I think for them? the word safe comes to mind first. I mean, that they feel safe enough um, to go get care, that they're in an environment that they don't feel like they're going to be judged um, uh, negatively as a sign of weakness um, and that because of that, they feel safe to go seek care. And as importantly, that there's quality care there, right? You know, and, and, and as you well know, there's places where um, it's, it's taken more seriously uh, and there are more, and I'll use the word sophisticated resources, you know, people that are highly trained like yourself and your, and your group to, to deal specifically with athletes who deal with they just deal with something that's unique to, you know, the other students. Uh, there's a pressure. There's a time management. Um, you know, you have um, social media now that's um, extremely different than my era. I mean, I, from that perspective and trying to make any correlations, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't want to be, uh, honestly, you know, I wouldn't want to live in this world and what they have to deal with. I, I can't imagine it, right? Tough. Can't imagine. So tough. It. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the exposure. And then... You know, I, I think that probably, um, 
you know, this NIL situation is probably, you know, bringing some more pressures on, you know, who's making what and am I doing enough to compete, you know, with what, you know, a teammate is doing and, you know, my marketing and myself. I mean, I just 19, 20 year olds dealing with that. I mean, it's just um, so, I, you know, I, I, um, I think safe for these people, whether you're a soccer player, a swimmer, a volleyball player, baseball, tennis, it, do, it doesn't matter. Um, the ability to feel safe enough to go get care, and then the net net is, you know, th th that there's quality care that's available to them, and it's available available to them in a timely way. You know, right. the, the the time availability is really important. I mean, you know, this is beyond athletics. One of the issues are the when you're looking for quality care, you know, again, supply and demand, and you know, you need to see somebody on an immediate basis or a near immediate basis, and they can't see you for three weeks till Wednesday. It doesn't help sure. anybody, right? You know, being able to say, I need help right now and getting quality help right now, I think also is something that everybody within your ecosystem has to be very sensitive to. Right. Such a different world now than when you played and you were struggling with the things you were that were happening to you. Um, now we list all of these different nuances and we couldn't even fathom those. Right. Um, and right. here are these young people struggling and their sport is their respite. Their sport is part of their mental health. Right. But then the flip side is that stress can cause a decline in their mental health. So I, I appreciate your passion for that and being able to see the difference in one generation from the next and what the struggles are. So before we wrap up a, a great conversation that we've had about about your journey and about uh, the big universities that you were at the helm as a quarterback for, tell me a little bit about On Balance and what sparked your desire to launch this company. Um, <clears throat> kind of goes to everything I just mentioned in terms of trying to make a difference in athletes' lives. And I, I you know, the correlation of I was a student athlete a long time ago, and, and it was at a high level, right? But it, but as right. you just mentioned, very, very different dynamics than the current generation. I mean, very. And as I said, I think it's much more extreme. Um, but the world I've played in, um, in my professional career, it's it, and, and, and it parallels, it's people that are high achievers or are trying to get to a sense of high achievement. And within that, 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 that expectation is is just it's profound, right? And it's unique. So when I was thinking about, I sold a company back in 2019, and I was thinking about what I was going to do next. The pandemic hit. Um, um, a lot of people were reaching out about you know issues that they were having with spouses or children, et cetera, and the quality of care. So you know the light bulb moment kind of went on, and um, I I, I kind of started saying, well, how do we help the high achievement world because that's where a lot of these pressures are and um, it, it moved into athletics because I had familiarity with it. And so what we're trying to accomplish is we're, you know, I'm, I'm a data person. I believe that you take data and you create uh, insights and that, the, that intelligence changes behaviors and, and, and in most cases improves behaviors. Um, and in the mental health world with athletics, we're, we're bringing in for the first time metrics uh, to provide insights and the insights lead to proaction. So, you know, the, the resource team is not there on the reactive and they're not in the acute phase. 
um, they're ahead of things. And the insights that they didn't have before provides that. You know, it moves to trends and trends moves to predictions. And predictions, uh, if we do this right, moves into preventatives. And wouldn't that be a beautiful thing if we could prevent something tragic for happening or even from the standpoint of something very severely happening? So basically, On Balance uses metrics to help the athlete during their recovery process. The people who manage the process, giving them insights that they don't, you know, they didn't have previously. So that's, that's a solution that, to provide better care, in other words, and more efficient care. And you stress the point of need, needing to see the resource in a timely manner. Um, so you explain basically how, how On Balance uses those metrics. What would be your elevator pitch if you, you jumped on in the, uh, Nakatomi Towers on the elevator going up to the uh, Christmas party, what would you give as your elevator pitch for the athletes on balance or the on balance um, platform? Well, I know that movie reference, just so you know. (laughs) It's the best Christmas movie. Come (laughs) on. Right, right, right. And uh, the the fact that there's a debate whether it's a Christmas movie, I don't even get, right? To me, there's no debate. You watch that every, you know, holiday season. So um, the the, the elevator pitches, um, again, we bring everything into one place that the care team has to manage. And then we provided a great consent permission-based program that, you know, allows the ecosystem that has to manage this, manage it more efficiently. And then we bring in data and that data leads to improved care. It leads to, you know, uh, the, the timing of the care to resolution. Um, it can lead to knowledge of how you, you know, reduce the severity level, you know, and, and mm-hmm. again, it's trends. We have AI that comes into the program and the AI really takes this to, to the point of you have predictions and, when you have, you know, predictions, you have better out- outcomes. And what are the outcomes? The outcomes is, you know, can we reduce severity levels? Uh, can we reduce the time somebody's in an illness case? And can we, because of that, get them back into competition and in the classroom sooner? So you used a great word, an ecosystem, and that's exactly what athletic programs, athletic departments, professional athletic teams, that's exactly what a team is or a an athletic department is, is an ecosystem. And so designing a platform to help manage, navigate, identify, provide a resource to um, get your team on board as far as, as providers for that's a great way to manage an ecosystem. So what would be the risk of not uh, using a platform like this in such an ecosystem? Well, of course I'm biased when I say this. I, I think there's, um, there's some irresponsibility because I think there's an obligation for the athletic department, starting with the athletic director and you know the team, the ecosystem that we just mentioned. I, I think it's the responsibility, just as it is to take care of their physical health um, and their ability to train and be, you know, be conditioned to perform at their optimization. I think the obligation now, especially with the fact that there's awareness, the fact that there's education out there and there's knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I think that they have an obligation to take care of the overwell-being of the student-athlete. And part of the overwell-being of the student-athlete is their mental behavioral health, right? And, right. you know, right. and then the flip side to that, Ginger, as you know, there's, there's, there's risk mitigation, 
you know, and it's just, it's just part of this world. I mean, you know, when tragedy unfortunately happens and it is happening, it's happened and it's happening. And I've asked some very well known athletic director, what directors, what keeps them up at night? And they've mentioned this and that they're going to get a phone call. And we know that phone call is going to be tragic. And so you have the very much the human element of that, but you also have, you know, the liability uh, element of that. And the liability issues that are going on right now in this country, you know, they're millions and millions and millions of dollars, which is unfortunate to the institution. Uh, and, and let's be honest, just again, from a pure business perspective, it's very bad optics. You know, mm-hmm. it's very bad optics for the university and the institution. So allowing the institution to have a tool to help with the unfortunate circumstances that are going to come. And, and we all knock on wood and, and have good wishes that they don't, but you're right. Then we can just look in social media and see uh, where some of these cases have happened. So important for the, the athletic department to have something to help manage and help keep the athletes number one safe, but then, you know, provide them the resources, but also that there's that litigious side that we hate to talk about. So wrapping it up, what do you think the future holds for on balance? Um, I'm very optimistic. Um, we've, we've gotten very good feedback. We've generated, um, you know, gen one is out. We're actually very close to, uh, you know, closing out on gen two. Uh, we've started to bring in the, the, you know, the AI portion of it to do something with the data where the data comes to you. Um, it's been very good. I mean, we, you know, we need to get it in more people's hands and we're working hard to do that. Um, but really right now it's about, about getting in, into the right people's hands. Um, you know, and that's the people like your organization where you're progressive and, and even though you're the best at what you do and I'll give a call out to, you know, your football program, which, which is, has been the best program for a long time, but you always want to improve. You know, if you really want to look at the people that, you know, whether it's people or it's organizations that end up, you know, being the best at what they do, they're not afraid to say, you know, we can get better. And so working with programs like yourself and others that have a good process and they believe in this, you know, it's about them taking something on that gives them intelligence that they didn't have to improve their program. So that's really the most important thing for us in the near term is identifying, you know, those organizations, those athletic departments that have a very good process in place and they want to improve it and they want to use metrics and insights to do it. Well, Walt, your story is amazing. Your um, ability to change narratives in the business world is amazing. You've got great insight and I think we could do multiple podcasts just talking about your journey um, with your bipolar disorder diagnosis. I know this was heartfelt and probably not real comfortable for you to talk about it, but think of the people that you've helped by doing so. And there's really more. I mean, there's so much more to your story that I would love to jump on again and maybe we could dive into some of those different areas. but thank you for just laying it all out on the table for the public. That's, that is an admirable thing to do. And you did it very well today. And well, it was wonderful to host. Thank you, Ginger. I, I really yeah. appreciate it. And you were a great host. I, I would say this in finale that I'm doing it for all the, I'm, it is, it's not comfortable. 
Um, and right. I, I would be less than uh, genuine if I said this, this is easy, but you know, if, if we're going to help people, if, if our company is going to help people and this podcast is going to help people, um, you know, I have to talk openly about it, you know, and, um, and hopefully, you know, it, it, it brings some people out and, and again, I'll use the word, they feel safe that they can discuss it. And, you know, as they go get help for a knee very quickly or the shoulder very quickly, they go get help here very quickly. Right. Right. Well, you should be proud of, of all the work that you've done to raise awareness and to destigmatize mental health and sports. Thank you very much. And thanks for letting me ask the questions this time. Thanks. For, for letting go of the wheel. So from Athletes on Balance, thanks to all of our listeners. I want you to stay tuned for upcoming episodes and make sure you follow along on our social channels. So I'm Dr. Ginger Gilmore, and this is Athletes on Balance. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Athletes on Balance. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please follow us on your preferred podcast app to catch our next episode. Join our community by sharing with an athlete, mental health care provider, or coach in your circle.